This is E-Radio. It is time for the very first edition of Medical Monday on E-Radio and uh, we've been looking forward to it for so long. Dr. Dylan Joseph joins us uh, this afternoon, ophthalmologist and uh, also eye surgeon. Today he's going to introduce himself in case you haven't seen our article on him yet and uh, we'll be talking about uh, where exactly his passion started for it as well and uh, talk about a few interesting terms and advancements in uh, technology. Dylan, uh, Dr. Dylan, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. How's it going? Good afternoon, Ian. Uh, thanks very, very much for having me on the show. It's a great privilege and I think what a, a fantastic initiative that you've got here going and, uh, you know, flying the Southern Cape flag high. Uh, very proud to be part of the show and hopefully we can, t- you know, take um, ophthalmology and understanding uh, refractive surgery and a bit more about the eye to, uh, to our people of the Southern Cape and beyond. It's so interesting. Uh, we just spoke about it all fair and, uh, you know, there's all these terms. And uh, today, uh, you know, I'm learning a lot as well as we uh, as we go along. But let's go back in time. And, uh, yes. I mean, you've got a very impressive uh, CV. Uh, let's talk about uh, your passion first and, and what got you interested. Yeah. So, Jan, we, we go through medicine, obviously, first. And that's six years of studying at Varsity. Um, and then uh, in South Africa, we've got compulsory years uh, doing our internship and our community service years. And, and very often we end up in a peripheral hospital uh, during our comm service years. Um, and that gives us exposure to a, a broad range of disciplines. And I was very lucky enough on the northern coast in KZN there in uh, Impangeni to, to do six months of ophthalmology in my um, community service year. And, and I stayed on as a medical officer for another year there. And it was in that time where I realized, you know, the power of, you know, changing lives through changing vision. Uh, we used to see people that were literally brought in with a, with a white cane by their aunts and uncles and children because they, they couldn't see where they were going. Wow. And, you know, if you think about cataract surgery as a, as a, 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 a commonly performed procedure, and cataracts are the, the most common cause of reversible blindness in the world. And I remember vividly, um, I used to have a list on a Friday, as a junior does, of course, and uh, that means the ward rounds on Saturday mornings. And it just still gives me goosebumps to this day, taking those patches off the eyes. Oh. And uh, in unison, we had five or ten people just singing in Zulu songs. Um, wow. And it was a life-changing moment for me. And uh, from that day, I decided this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to be in the, 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 the line of, of changing lives and empowering people to see again. And, and for me, there's no greater gift than to bestow that. Uh, upon someone and um, yeah from there it it you know I, I worked in a, another peripheral hospital in, in Kroenstadt for a year looked after that eye department before specializing for another four years in Bloemfontein and Bloemfontein wow. was a wonderful um, wonderful varsity had fantastic uh, education and then went straight into private practice um, and and moved to the garden route from 2012 to 2015 um, moved down here and practiced general ophthalmology and really enjoyed that. And then during that time, you know, had the, the interest, uh, you know, for or developed the interest for, for refractive surgery. Basically, in 2013, 2014, you know, I got a, uh, a call from a colleague who trained me at, uh, in Bloemfontein. And he said, would you like to consider doing laser vision correction in, in Neisner? And, and laser vision correction is not something that as, an un, as a postgraduate, meaning while specializing you get a lot of um, 
time in. And uh, so he, he was my mentor, basically, in laser. And he, he brought down a laser vision correction unit, installed it. He helped me with my first few lists and got me going. And that's really what ignited the passion. And from there, I got the opportunities to go and do a few courses overseas. And then um, a, a game changer was uh, following this passion uh, to a world leader and pioneer in laser vision correction surgery in Dublin. Oh. Uh, Mr. Arthur Cummings, and um, I was I was fortunate enough to spend two years with him and immerse myself just in in vision correction technology. So basically, anything to help you um, reduce your dependence on a contact lens, a spectacle, mm. a pair of reading glasses, and if you've got cataracts, um, to look at the technologies to help you um, you know improve your vision with cataracts. And and a lot of those technologies can now help us uh, be spectacle or contact lens independent uh, from there as well. Dr. Joseph, you're also a pioneer in the garden route in terms of getting a new technology here first, I believe. There are a number of uh, really good units in the country that have um, a laser vision correction technology. In the specific laser that I use, though, is the same one that I brought back from Ireland, the same technology. Mm. And with regards to that one, yes, that, that's called a suite, a refractive suite. So it's got two laser systems. Um, so we, there's no blades to create our flaps when we're doing la- what's called LASIK nowadays. Mm. It's gas. It's plasma. Um, it's bladeless. It's painless. There's no knives. There's no needles. Uh, and yes, there are there are two of those specific suites um, in South Africa used to, uh, to to do the LASIK with the flap and then to do the laser eczema ablation. But there are other suites in the country that still use um, that same laser technology, but it, it just different companies that supply it. Mm. So from that perspective, yeah, I was used to the technology I was using in Europe. Our nomograms were refined. I was getting the same outcomes as the um, the as, as Arthur Cummings, who was teaching me. And so I decided, well, if I want to come back to South Africa, I wanted to be able to provide the same same platform with the same results. And that was my motivation for for bringing back that same technology here. Wow, very, very interesting. Just, uh, Dr. Joseph, tell us what exactly is refractive surgery? What does that mean exactly? So refractive surgery is changing a person's eye to see the way a spectacle or a contact lens or a pair of reading glasses would have done. We're changing the way the light rays bend through the eye Wow! to make those light rays fall at the perfect spot at the back of the eye for clear vision. So refractive surgery encompasses a um, number of different procedures so the the first procedure that that we can chat about is something called laser vision correction Mm. and there it's subdivided into lasik lasik is where the one laser i told you about now creates a thin an ultra thin flap on the top of the cornea and we can program these lasers now to create a hundred micron flap that's 0.1 millimeters in thickness with a perfect edge on a five millimeter hinge so it's the architecture is is really better than than anything else can can do uh, in, in current day technology and um, so the, the the recovery of lasik is super fast and people are generally seeing within four to six days what their contact lenses and their spectacles gave them wow um the alternative to lasik is to do what's called a surface treatment and um, on our platform, that's called Streamlight, which is a one-step, no-touch technique, which is really elegant. It just takes a bit longer to recover visually. And, um, you know, the, the three- and six-month data show that the visual results are identical to LASIK. 
we mm. make that decision based on the patient's anatomy, based on their scans and what's going to be the best procedure suited for their eyes. Um, if they're not a good candidate for laser vision correction, we can consider something called an implantable contact lens. Now, sometimes we see patients that are minus 15 or plus 10 or plus 7. They're outside what we call the, the FDA guidelines, the Food and Drug Administration guidelines of laser vision correction. And if they've got enough space in their eye, we don't fiddle with their natural human lens. Mm. What we do is we plant a very special contact lens over their existing lens. It's, it's impossible to see it to the naked eye. It's as quick a visual recovery as laser vision correction, and it can correct a broader amount of refractive errors than what laser vision correction can do. So these are generally people from 18 years. So anyone from 18 years upwards you know, can, can consider a form of vision correction uh, in terms of reducing dependence on contact lenses and spectacles. And then generally our second category is for the people at 45, 50 and, uh, and above, where we start getting what's called the short arm syndrome. So mm. I'm sure you've heard of, uh, there's a term called presbyopia, and we're all going to go through it when we hit our 40s, and, and that's loss of our near vision, essentially. And it's something we mourn, I mean, because uh, it's something we've always had for 40 years, and suddenly now it's gone, and, and it was a crutch that we relied on, and we're not able to see our cell phones, we're not able to read mm -hmm. anymore, and, um, and now suddenly that's gone. Uh, and, and we can still do laser vision correction in this age group, but if you're not a good candidate for laser vision correction, um, we can consider then removing the human lens in something called a customized lens exchange. The old thought that a cataract needed to ripen and be present there before removing the human lens is an, um, basically a, a redundant way of thinking. If you're looking at a visual uh, solution, 96% chance we're able to get you something. Um, and we can apply the same with cataract surgery. When we remove that human lens or the clouded lens, we're implanting a lens with a technology that can give you a certain range of vision depending on your visual lifestyle. So you may do 40% of your day reading uh, uh, at, at a Mac desktop distance or on a Kindle, or you may spend 40% of your day at a desktop, uh, or you may do 90% of your activities outside. So we have special monitors that can actually pick up and show us with artificial intelligence how much time you're spending during the day with those activities. Wow. And we can then develop what's called a lifestyle match index for you based on this artificial intelligence to choose a lens that is going to suit your lifestyle uh, so it's going to give you the broadest range of spectacle-free or contact lens-free vision if that's what you are desiring. And, and, and that's what we've got available. That's what refractive surgery is. Refractive surgery is essentially changing the way light falls through the eye to make it fall on a point that gives you good, clear vision. Wow, uh, what an explanation. Thank you so much. Listen, it actually sounds like you're from the future. I can't believe all this is actually happening in 2021. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it's incredible well, the technology you're working with. It, it, it is, Ian. I think um, laser vision correction or refractive surgery is one of the sub-disciplines of ophthalmology or of, of medicine that is evolving um, the most rapidly. It's at an incredible pace. And mm. refractive surgery itself is such a sub-discipline that um, I belong to a, a, a college of surgeons called the Refractive Surgery Alliance. It's an international body of surgeons who are refractive surgeons specifically. And it's actually so detailed and so involved that they're 
are looking at creating refractive surgery as a complete subspeciality away from ophthalmology, from general ophthalmology. Um, and I think that's the way general medicine is moving anyway. If you, if you are um, looking for a retinal surgeon, you've got a retinal problem, you go to a retinal surgeon nowadays. If you're looking for um, blepharoplasties or eyelid lifts, you're going to see someone that only does cosmetic or functional plastic surgery. It's the same with knees, same with hips, same with hearts. Uh, everyone is um, sort of developing a niche market and getting really, really good at a smaller amount of um, components, essentially. I'm looking forward to uh, a more in-depth uh, discussion in the weeks to come uh, where we'll talk about laser and especially the myths because there's yes. a lot of myths going around and uh, you know it's always nice to, yes. to have a bit of a myth-busting session. But I just want to ask you, you mentioned that uh, somebody could be or could not be a good candidate for a laser. I just want to ask you quickly, yes. what, what would that mean? How would you know that somebody's not a, a good candidate for laser? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great question, and and it's a question that we often debate at our meetings as well. So, uh, you know, even amongst refractive surgeons, we will look at uh, a number of patients and a number of scans uh, and say, is this a, a good patient for either a laser or a lens-based procedure? Now, in general, 96% of people who would like a refractive procedure would qualify and then that's where our job becomes important to say well what procedure is going to be the best for you so we take a very detailed history from the patient so family history is really important so if a patient has a, a disorder of the cornea called keratoconus which if you can imagine a rugby ball that uh, Monet Stain got hold of uh, 12 years ago hmm. and more recently in the British and Irish Lions tour and zapped it through the poles and distorted it really badly hmm. that's what a cornea looks like it's a distorted rugby ball shape that's wow. called keratoconus it's a genetic entity and and these patients are contraindications for LASIK they are not necessarily contraindications for reshaping the surface of the eye to better fit a contact lens or a pair of spectacles and that's a totally different talk we've got technologies available now uh, called topography guided lasers where we can map the shape of your cornea its lumps and bumps put it into the, the software and the software says to smooth this out to give it the most optically smooth surface, this is the laser profile we need to do. In these cases, it's not to get um, people out of spectacles and contact lenses. It's important to remember that for keratoconus. But it does often help if their corneas are thick enough to help improve their quality of vision with a spectacle or contact lens. So those patients would be a contraindication. People that are perhaps or, uh, ladies that are um, breastfeeding um, and are pregnant now uh, are in an immediate contraindication but three months after cessation of breastfeeding or pregnancy then we can certainly consider their laser vision correction options and um, some certain or certain autoimmune conditions are important to watch out for and, and that's why history taking is so vital because um, certain conditions may have a predisposition for scarring and, mm. and uh, if you're on if your conditions are uncontrolled, then we may consider postponing laser vision uh, correction. So, and if, if the patient's corneas are just too thin um, and they've got a lot of warning signs on them that they're not stable, then we would rather look to something like an implantable contact lens procedure. So at the end of the day, as I said, you may be a, uh, not be a, a great candidate for one procedure, 
But as a refractive surgeon, it's our drive, it's our passion to try and find you a procedure that may suit you and is going to, at the end of the day, give you the same visual outcome. Wow, uh, that's so, so fascinating. Uh, I also want to ask you, Dr. Joseph, um, cataract surgery. Is Mm. it true that cataracts only uh, come and uh, appear on the eyes of uh, older people? So by and large, a cataract is something that we're going to develop as we expose ourselves firstly to more ultraviolet because ultraviolet changes the lens structure and 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 makes it more brown so to speak so when it goes Mm. brown it can't filter the light rays through so the cataract symptoms are classically you know people are are cleaning their glasses more often they're turning up the bedside light to see better Mm. and their their spectacles are getting renewed or updated every three months because those cataracts are getting harder and harder inside the eye and very often people's nighttime vision starts to go for a loop as well so they complain of glare and things aren't as clear so and as we as we get older, generally from 55, um, 60, 65, yes, uh, cataracts are an aging phenomenon, an ultraviolet phenomenon. It's it's going to happen with all of us. But there is a subset of people who perhaps have other metabolic disorders like diabetes, um, and they can develop cataracts at a very early age, in their 20s, in their 30s. Wow. And they would need surgery to have those cataracts removed. And, and once again, you can still consider um, you know, uh, premium lens uh, implants to try and reduce their dependence on spectacles. And some are um, congenital, meaning some people are born with cataracts, and it's a, it's a hereditary problem. Um, and those need to be picked up very early and sorted out very early because if a cataract is left in a child and it's big enough, a child's first uh, formative years are in those first seven years of their life. Mm. And if there is an an impediment in their visual system, uh, then the uh, the brain actually switches off the development of the nerves to that eye. Wow. So it suppresses it. And, and, and beyond seven, that can be potentially irreversible. So there's, there's a number. It's not just confined to older people, Ian. Um, but by and large, yes, cataracts are something that uh, we're going to develop beyond 55. And we find it more commonly in our southern hemisphere climates. And the reason for that is ultraviolet. Uh, our UV index in, in southern, southern hemisphere countries are, uh, is much higher than in the northern hemisphere. So where I worked in Ireland, uh, the, the presentation of cataract development tended to be a lot later. So in mm. your 70s, 80s and 90s, as opposed to your, your 50s and 60s here in South Africa. Now, cataracts, what exactly is happening in the body uh, that's causing cataracts? Is it yeah. just the growth uh, on your eye or l- like a little uh, lens that, you know? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, and I'd, I'd actually I wish I had a video to show you. And, a, and a, uh, you know, we've got some great three-dimensional video software that I show my patients at the practice. It's a, it's a common misconception that a cataract is a membrane that grows on the outside of your eye. Mm. It's 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 not that at all. So, inside your eye, behind your pupil, so the pupil is that little black hole you see in the middle, right? Yeah. The iris is the colored part. Mm around the pupil and behind that structure you've got the human lens now the human lens is attached to tiny little ligaments which are in turn attached to muscles and those muscles control the ligaments and then in turn control the shape of the lens so depending on whether we are focusing on an object from near or focusing on an object for distance these muscles either contract or relax to allow the lens to become more globular 
or to become flatter. So the light rays then change their effective position where they're falling at the back of the eye. Now, cataract development, it starts with actually a, a process that we undergo called dysfunctional lens syndrome. And that typically starts happening in our 40s. It doesn't mean we've got a cataract. It means the lens inside the eye is starting to dysfunction. Why? Because it starts to develop um, or undergo a process called sclerosis. And sclerosis is hardening, all right? Mm. Apart from the hardening, uh, due to a number of metabolic processes that happen in the lens, it starts changing color as well. Not only that, but the muscles and the ligaments around that lens start slowing down. So it's like gymming. You know, you go and do a, a repetition of a bicep curl, and you can only do so many before that, that bicep starts taking strain. Mm. In, in, in our eyes, we can do millions of bicep curls until we get to our 40s. And those muscles then start slowing down. And when they start slowing down, that's when you lose your near vision. This is when we start referring to what's called the dysfunctional lens syndrome. So getting back to the to the talk about, you know, removing the human lens, we can remove a human lens if it's dysfunctional, not necessarily only if it has a cataract. Mm. It just depends on what's going to best suit you. But the so the cataract is a clouding of the human lens it comes from the Greek word and 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 uh, basically that clouding happens in the meat in the in the substance of the lens and as it starts clouding over becoming brown yellow imagine trying to to shine a light ray through a, a frosted pane of window what's going to happen to the light on the other side it's mm. going to scatter isn't it yeah so your image quality on the other side is going to degrade it's the same thing happens when the human lens is cloudy. As the light rays travel through it, they're going to scatter. So people's image quality starts degrading. So it's a common, common uh, misperception that a cataract is on the outside of mm. the eye, and it's not something we scrape off. Mm. But we do need to take you to theater. And, and I mean, with today's uh, modern uh, ways of anesthesia and technology, it's, it's so minimally invasive that we do our surgery under topical anesthesia which means drop form so all we put is, wow. is numbing drops onto the surface of your eye and our anesthetist puts up a, a, a drip for you that it's it makes you very drowsy so you're not asleep mm. and and uh, you literally uh, you're in theater 20 minutes half an hour you go home with a clear eye shield wow. so not in the old days where you had to actually sit in a dark room for three days with a patch on the eye oh my. i mean all our wounds that yeah that we make us are self-sealing <laughs> it's two and a half millimeter wounds there's no stitches involved and uh, you basically are in 98 percent of cases up and running and functional the next day yeah. so it's it's certainly a procedure that a lot of people have fear because i agree it's your it's your in my opinion it's your most precious sense there's a big debate as to whether hearing or, or mm. sight is is the most precious of the senses but yeah um you know so so people's concerns and and questions are very valid and but that's what ophthalmologists are, are there to answer they you know to to put their minds at ease and and very often after a person's had their first eye done they uh they have, say with a smile on their face the next day they they're looking forward to the next one mm, mm. Wow, wow that's so cool can you see uh when somebody's got a cataract can you actually see it on the person's eye so unless it's a very dense white cataract, basically stage four lens changes, what we call stage four, are the most advanced cataract changes where they become uh, white or brunescent. So 
Yes, those you can see. And, and those mm. are the type of cataracts I was referring to in my Inguilazan days up on the north coast where, where no light gets through or, or very little light. Uh, what, what the patient can then perceive is literally shining a light. They can't see your hands. They can't count your fingers. That's a really dense, hard cataract. Mm. And um, you, you, you're not going to... Um, you're not going to miss that with the naked eye, basically. But when you're examining patients, we've got um, new diagnostic tools now, especially for the younger patients, where we are considering, do we do laser vision correction or are we going to do a lens-based procedure? We've got a machine called the HD analyzer, which measures scatter off the wow. eye. So it, it actually sends rays through the eye, which can determine if there is significant scatter coming off the lens. And remember I told you, earlier you know one of the symptoms or one of the problems with the cataract is it causes light scatter we mm. can't see light scatter clinically and we may see very very early subtle changes in the lens but these machines quantify the change for us to say uh, definitively yes we should be looking at removing this lens because there are early signs of cataract but most of the time we, we're looking at a at an eye or looking at the lens under 16, 25, 40 times magnification. And when we put drops into, to, into the eyes to make the pupils nice and big, we can really examine the lens under high magnification and get a really good idea as to the discoloration of it. Remember, cataract changes are often picked up with, uh, with yellow, um, brown hue or tinge to the lens. Mm. And then obviously a reduction in their vision quality. So people may come to you and say well look I'm, I'm not seeing as well through my specs or my contact lenses as I, as I used to and I'm cleaning my spectacles more and I just you know I can't see uh, I have to turn the, the bedside light up uh, brighter to read at night and, and just my quality of vision just doesn't seem uh, what it used to be and you can test their vision and sometimes the only way we pick up cataracts is because there's a, a slight loss of color so we can measure that as well they may still be seeing pretty well with their their specs or contact lenses but if there's a slight loss of color and it's affecting your quality of vision it's affecting your quality of life then we must mm. do something about that yeah exactly dr joseph just in closing am i correct in saying that uh, your main goal is uh, to get people to be less dependent also on on glasses and uh, on contact lenses well, I think it's become a passion of mine because I see the difference that it makes to a person's life. Mm. Um, I think, you know, any form of eye surgery being, being more specifically cataract surgery or laser surgery changes quality of life. And that is my passion. And not necessarily, you know, we're not going to get everyone out of spectacles. Um, and there's 4%, 5% that we perhaps can't get completely spectacle independent. And there's a counseling process because most of the options that we have or, or that we show you do involve some form of compromise. Um, and it's important that the, the patient sits down with the surgeon and discusses that journey and sees which form of compromise is going to be best for them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, my patients that come to me say, well, I'd like to be out of glasses for my reading and for my distance and mm. um, and and being able to empower them with that that gift or give that gift to them is is what drives me so in summary yeah i i, I love what i do i love the the, the surgery and um, but mostly i really enjoy the difference that it makes to people's quality of lives and some patients with cataracts come to me and they say listen 
they want to be back into this in their spectacles because they feel naked without mm. their spectacles and there there's definitely a number of people that do and that is absolutely 100% perfect and it's important then afterwards that we we say to these patients right at the six week mark once they're settled you know she has a referral letter back to your optometrist and they can have their um, very focal spectacles made up or their readers made up again afterwards uh, or their photochromics a photochromic is something that tints as you go from inside to, to outside so it goes dark is you know there's fantastic technology in that realm as well and it's entirely dependent on the patient and their lifestyle what is their choice and i try my utmost best to cater for their visual demands and their choices made. Well, this is so interesting. Uh, And that's it for our first edition of Medical Monday with uh, Dr. Dylan Joseph. Uh, Dr. Joseph, how do we get in touch with you? Yeah, so we're based in uh, Neisner. Uh, the our offices are here. Our our landline uh, is zero four four one five zero double zero eight five. Alternatively, we've got our, our website, and all the contact details are on the website as well. And that's www.dr for Doctor Dylan Joseph D Y L A N J O S E P H dot com. Uh, and uh, the email address is on the website as well. And Mariska or myself. Uh, are happy to take uh, questions and we often do we we uh, something that that evolved through the lockdown as well eon was um online consultations and virtual consultations and we've we've opened up a an app through a link called calendly and um you know if people are wanting to explore their options of spectacle and contact lens independence then they can uh, go straight through to that app and uh, book a, a 15 to 20 minute chat with me. I can actually share the screen and I can show them 3D animations of wow. what laser vision correction is like, what cataract surgery in, is involved in, and, and what technologies are available to them. So, yeah, although I suppose COVID's had its, um, its, its run with, uh, with the world, but it's actually opened a few different avenues and that yeah. we've been able to explore and uh, hopefully uh, empowers people to make uh, better decisions on their vision. Absolutely. And our uh, listeners, of course, can also click on the uh, banner on uh, the e-radio website, uh, which will take you right to Dr. Joseph's website. What an interesting and insightful conversation today. I'm already looking forward to uh, next week. Absolutely. On me too. And uh, once again, thanks so much for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I hope we've uh, given a few nuggets to to our listeners out there absolutely looking forward to next week Uh, thank you so much uh, dr joseph thanks ian all the best have a great evening